Well, good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I'm so glad to be here with you as we continue through the 12 days of Christmas and we think about how we take the Christmas celebrations that we look back on from the past few weeks and we think about how do we forward what we've been talking about? How do we carry it with us as we go into this new year of 2022? This is the first edition of Steadfast in 2022 and here we are in this new year. How do we take what was great about what we just celebrated. How do we hang on to that? Even as we say, I can't wait to be in 2022. And most people, I, I think we're ready for 2021 to end. But something in the midst of all that, that maybe we've had too much time on our hands to think about. If, if you've had times where you've been in quarantine or, or otherwise isolated, maybe you spent more time at home at Christmas than normal and you had time to think. One question we start to ask ourselves is, does my life really matter? Does what I do really matter? Sometimes we think about that as we go into the new year. We think about, okay, here's this year and all these things I can accomplish. But does it really matter? So let's come before our God and ask him to guide us as we think about that. And then we're going to think about how looking at the Christmas story, we learn the answer to those questions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for being the God who provides meaning to us, the God who provides salvation to us. Lord, would you help us as we, we go into 2022 to understand what is meaningful and important to you? Would you help us to, to hang on to that, to be motivated by that, and to be guided by the meaning that you have placed in our lives? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a, a rubber band ball here. I've had this rubber band ball for a number of years now. Actually, I got this rubber band ball when I had my very first office. And, and I've always loved office supplies, but somehow it seemed appropriate that as I was moving into my first office that I should have a rubber band ball. And, and so I've had this one. I, and you know, the interesting thing about rubber band ball, you have this thing here. I can hold on to it. I can try to catch it. I'll, if I do that too many times, I'll probably drop it. But I can grasp onto it. It seems like it has meanings and substance. But here's the thing. If I if I start to take these rubber bands and, and start to peel them off, I could. You can buy a rubber band ball just to hold rubber bands and use them. If I started to take these rubber bands off, you know what would happen? Eventually, there'd be nothing left of this rubber band ball. It just vanish because it has all these things that have accumulated on all these rubber bands and it looks pretty and colorful with these colors on it but inside it's just a series of things that can be removed until nothing is left and sometimes i think we look at our lives and we feel like our lives are a rubber band ball yeah there's a lot of colors and, and things about it we can grasp onto and at times they feel really important but then we kind of wonder if everything will just keep getting stripped away until finally there's nothing left and then we die and then that's it. Kind of gloomy, but somewhere in our heads sometimes I think we, we wonder, well, maybe the gloomy voice I hear is the one that's true. And what we see in the Christmas story and what we carry forward with that Christmas story into the new year is a resounding answer to that question, does my life have meaning? And the answer from God is yes. And the shepherds were some of the first to learn that in, in a passage that you probably almost surely have heard several times over the last few weeks. And that's from Luke chapter 2. Let's take a look when the angels visit them. 
says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So there's a lot in there, but if we look at Scripture and we understand how Scripture views the things being announced, we see that it's a declaration that the shepherds actually matter, that they're significant. They weren't viewed by their society as significant. Ironically, even though David, the the great king of Israel, had been a shepherd, shepherds were viewed negatively by many in the society. Their, Their jobs led to them often being ritually unclean, so they weren't always involved in the religious ceremonies of the time, and and they were just sort of marginalized. We have people like that today, don't we? Maybe you feel a bit marginalized. Maybe we all will encounter moments where we do, but the shepherds were definitely in that situation. And yet the angels appeared to these shepherds, and they announced that a Savior has been born. In other words, one who would bring them God's peace. They didn't need to fear because God was going to be there with them. And so they go and they they experience meeting the Savior for the first time. They hear the announcement of God's salvation and it conveys meaning to them. And likewise, as we hear about God's salvation, it states something to us, that our lives matter. If we turn to Psalm 139, we can see how God has taken care of over our lives from the very beginning. Take a look at Psalm 139. The psalmist says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of of the earth. Now, intricately woven, this ball is nicely woven, so we haven't quite gotten there yet. How do we we go from that to understanding our God says that we have meaning? Well, it takes a series of steps. And the first one is is here, which is that God has cared about us in some way. He's put us together from before we were born. And in that, it tells us that we're actually on God's mind, that we didn't just occur and God looks down in the aquarium of the universe every once in a while and says, oh, looks like there's some new human beings in there. Oh, that's interesting. He's not doing that. He doesn't just notice that that you've been scurrying around inside this thing for a while and thinks, oh, maybe, maybe I should dump some more fish food in there. Not like that. Psalmist says, before you were even born, before I was even born, God cared about us. He wove us together. But he did more than just make a rubber band ball. And we see that as we go throughout the Psalms and throughout Scripture. For example, if you turn to Psalm 98, verse 1, we would see that it says that God shined his light to all the nations. That's one of the scriptures that we're looking at today, if you're following along in the 12 days of Christmas devotional guide. 
And if you think about that, about this declaration that God's showing all the nations his salvation, it says something about those whom he has formed. Because God saves those whom he values. God saves those whom he wants to have in his presence. And so it's not just that he manufactured a, a rubber band ball and and then said, okay, that's nice. I, I paid attention a long time ago and maybe someday I'll pick that person up and I'll take a rubber band off. It's not that. He actually provides his salvation to the nations and we happen to fall into that category. So just as the shepherds heard on that, that first Christmas morning, the declaration of the angels that, that the peace of God was coming to them, that a Savior was there for them, so too it is for us. And that declaration of going to the nations is significant because up to this point in the story, the story of redemption, it was focused on God's people. But when God says, but I'm going to send out salvation to, to the whole world, what it says is, it doesn't matter your lineage. It doesn't matter if you have some kind of important pedigree that, that's going to make God want you as some kind of prized pet that can, can run around the heavenly mansion. No. Every one of us is valuable to God. And so he provides his salvation, and that salvation, that plan, isn't even something that God comes up with later on. He's made us, and then he realizes, oh wait, the things I've made are broken, I'm going to try to fix them. No, from all time, for those of us who respond to his salvation, those of us who experience his salvation, that experience of salvation that culminates at some point in our life has been a part of what God was detailing from before the universe was formed. We see that if we turn to Paul's letters to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. So Paul reiterates twice there God's choosing of us and his choosing of us from, from all eternity. He does that to adopt us as his children. And, and if you think about it, what could someone say that would be more affirming of our meaning than the, the one who could adopt anyone, the one who could make anyone or anything chooses to adopt you and chooses to adopt me? You can't get much more meaningful than that. And I loved what my friend Jason said the other night in the, the little videos that we've been doing to go along with the 12 Days of Christmas series. He, reflecting on this truth about who our God is and what he has done, said, even if you were the only one who would be saved, Jesus would have gone to that cross for you. I think it's such a beautiful picture. And it's a true biblical picture. God didn't look at the numbers and add up, well, I'm, I, I'm going to save this many human beings and this many human beings has this much value and therefore I'm going to go ahead and, and pay the price. When God looks at you, he says, you have enough value. And when we think about how we reflect on Christmas in 2022, 
12 months away from when it happens again. What do we do? We, we take that part of the old year, that celebration we've just had, and we place it smack dab in the middle of the new year. Because when we look at what happens on Christmas Day, God coming into the world, God coming into the world so that he would pay that price for us. He would redeem you and re would redeem me. We're told that as we go into this year, we go into this year as people who matter. The year might be uncertain. The decade may be uncertain. What's going to come true in each of our lives may feel to us very uncertain. And yet what we can have certainty about is that God says that we have meaning. That's not something we want to pack away. It's not something we want to wait another 12 months to think about again. What we need to do is say that concrete miracle that happened 2,000 years ago affirms to you and to me our meaning. And if we have meaning, then so does the, the work that we do. When we busy ourselves day to day with whatever it is that's in front of us, whether it's a, it's a job, whether it's caring for our families, maybe you're retired and you're, you're taking care of family members, maybe you're in school and you're studying, whatever it is that's ahead of you this week, next week, in May, in October, whatever lies ahead of you, it matters to God. And we see that when we turn back to Psalm 139. Notice how the psalmist continues. He says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So he takes that, that picture that we were talking about, about being intricately woven, and, and he says, but I'm not just a, a neat thing that's woven together. The psalmist says, when God wove us together, he wove us together with a full plan of what would come in our days. Every single day mattered to him. And it mattered when he sent the angels to go to those shepherds. He numbered the days of those shepherds, and he intended those shepherds to hear that angelic message. That's true of us, too. We hear that angelic message relayed uh, on the the pages of the scriptures. We read the rest of the gospel story on those same pages. And in that, just as it meant to the shepherds if they heard it for the first time, so too when we hear it, it says, we matter. We're not just generic things. Now, if you've listened to Steadfast for a long time, you've heard me use illustrations that would have hinted at this. And if you know me, you definitely know this, but I love potatoes. I, I, I just love potatoes. I love almost any kind of dish you can prepare with potatoes. And one of those things that's so wonderfully potatoy would happen to be a bag of potato chips. I think most people love potato chips. As the famous slogan says, I bet you can't just eat one, right? Because you start eating them and they're wonderful. But generally speaking, as much as I love potato chips, I don't number them. I don't look in the bag and have a, a different idea of the identity of each potato chip. I just enjoy the potato chips, and maybe I pay attention to brand, some kind of generic category of chip, but, but the individual chips in themselves aren't held to be special to me. Now, some things that we, we might pay a little more attention to, maybe if you get some really fine chocolates at Christmas time, some beautiful truffles, my grandma always liked to get truffles, 
So you get these beautiful truffles and there might be one of each flavor and you have the little the little card in the box that tells you what each one is. And, and those sorts of things we, we pay a little more attention to because we can see there are only 12 of them and there's one of each. And so each one has a different meaning to us. And maybe we think, well, do I want to eat this one yet? Or do I want to hang on to it a little longer and maybe I'll eat this other one? And, and so we assign more individual meaning to them. Too often, I think, in in our view of God's eyes, we think we're like potato chips. God has a whole big bag of human beings, and, and maybe one's useful at this moment or that moment, but he doesn't really pay attention. But we're more like the person who loves fine chocolates. We're not. God is. But we're like those fine chocolates to him. It's worth paying attention to, each one being paid attention to individually. Because God hasn't just even said, oh, this this one's going to be significant for this day. No, he said, every single day of each one of my created beings, I'm going to number the days. I'm going to pay attention to every detail of that person's life. And because he pays attention to every detail of our lives, then every detail we're told matters. And therefore, when we look into the everyday details that we're going through, we're told very clearly that we should see them as mattering too. We should apply meaning to them. Take a look if we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. A few chapters later in chapter 15, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. These two affirmations that Paul makes are essential to understanding how God sees the significance of our lives. That first one, he he says, whatever you're doing, if you're just eating and drinking, if you're having a meal, do that to the glory of God. Do we eat to the glory of God most of the time? And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about how you eat, but rather to say a detail as insignificant as what was on the menu for lunch today for you matters to God. And so as we eat, as we drink, these things we can see as opportunities to glorify God. We can see as things that have meaning to God. And certainly then when we go to work or to school or or we're around family and friends, whatever we happen to be doing, these things have, have meaning to God. Now we might say, well, they could have meaning to God, but but maybe it's just not going to work out for me. Maybe I'm going to try to add meaning to these things and yet It's just not going to work. And that's where that second verse is so important because Paul says what you do when you're, when you're doing things to God's glory, it's not going to be in vain. It's not going to be viewed by God as somehow defective, even when our best attempts seem to fall short. We're we're not going to get into the heavenly gates and we come there and we have, we're at the check-in desk and, and the computer record comes up of, of everything we've done, and we, we find that we get rejected for missing the quota. Our labor isn't going to be in vain. So often, the things we do in life, there can be opportunities where we can do most of what we need to do, and then something goes wrong, and the whole thing seems to be in vain. But before God, as we, we look at those everyday details of life, he wants us to know that they're not going to be in vain, that he's going to delight in them. That as we receive his salvation, we're not earning it by doing those things. And yet, in the the meaning that's instilled by the fact that 
that God would come into this world as a, a little baby and go through life and suffer for us and die for us and triumph over death for us, that he did that for the everyday moments that we have. And because of that, then, whatever we do has meaning. As Paul talks about the different roles that we have in life, in Colossians chapter 3, he concludes with this affirmation. He says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever we do, whatever you do, whatever I do, these things are viewed as meaningful to God. Sometimes we, we think, well, someone else has something meaningful to contribute, but the things I do, they could never be meaningful. But remember, God's the one who views even what we eat and drink as an opportunity to glorify him. Whatever you're doing today, whatever you're doing this week, has the opportunity to be glorifying to God. And done not in vain but with genuine meaning, not something that's going to disintegrate as, as we grow older, not a, a accumulation of things that at the end of our life have no meaning, but things that have meaning. Too often we've viewed a division between those, those quote-unquote religious things we can do and the, the everyday secular work stuff that we can do. And we find ourselves sick and tired of doing the secular work stuff, and it just seems meaningless. And I've heard people say, I can't wait to retire because then I can do more of this religious stuff, and that's going to add meaning to my life. But if you're in that moment, if you're thinking, I can just get past this one hurdle in life and whatever it might be, and then I can do more meaningful stuff, stop for a moment and recognize that God says, no, what you're doing right now can be just as meaningful to me doesn't mean we can't have goals and we can't even imagine, well, when I have this opportunity, whether it's retirement or finishing school or a different job or living in a different place, that, that maybe I'll have opportunities to do things that God's placed on my heart. But what it does mean is whatever I'm going to do this week is a perfect opportunity to do things to God's glory. We don't need to wait. We, we need instead to, to view our lives as a unified whole in which whatever we do be glorifying to God. That's a question we should ask ourselves even this day. Am I living my life in a unified fashion? Am I, am I seeing how my life can, can be brought together so that whatever I'm doing, and not just when I show up at church or when I go to a Bible study or a prayer group or when I'm posting a scripture verse or, or whatever else, I'm sharing a message right now with you, what not just those moments, but every moment of my life is seen as a unified whole that is something that God has numbered, a, a set of days that he has given me and days he's given me because he actually cares about who I am and he cares about what I do. Do we understand that about our Heavenly Father? Do you feel that as you go through your days that he cares about everything that you do? When, when someone goes through trouble, a, a lot of trouble for someone else, it often conveys a sense of value. And I was struck last week, I, I read this story about someone who was driving their, his, his or her car. I, I missed the owner's name. But this, this person was driving this car and heard these horrible screams coming out of the front of it. 
while the owner pulled over to, to investigate. And several hours later, after calling the fire department and having this person's car disassembled, the, the bumper had to be removed and other parts of the engine had to be removed. Look what they found. They found this little kitten. The kitten apparently had crawled up inside the car to stay warm in, in the winter weather. And the person who heard the screams of that kitten said, I don't know anything about what it is that is inside my car, but clearly it has value. And so this person was willing to have their the, the, the this car dismantled. And you think about how much you spend on a car and the years you spend paying off a car. And for that matter, right now, how hard it is for, in many cases, to even get a car. And you think about what a statement that was, that, that this life that was making this noise from the engine compartment meant something to this person enough to go through a major inconvenience to, to offer rescue. That bumper removal and whatever else was involved is nothing compared to what God went through to come into this world to rescue us. Having a bumper removed from a car is nothing like coming into a, a broken, sinful world and suffering the ultimate of humiliation and pain and suffering for us. But then what happens next is so crucial because maybe we could say, well, God just, he just felt sorry for me. You know, someone didn't have the heart to have this thing screaming inside this car and, and so some kind of salvation was offered. But then it's after that, then that little troublemaker is just viewed as a troublemaker. Maybe I'm just viewed as a little troublemaker to God. But what happened for this kitten is what also happens for us. You, you see, the family that had this car said they didn't just want this kitten to be rescued out of the car. They decided they wanted to bring this kitten home. And so this kitten now has a home at the very place where it had crawled into that car. Hopefully never in the car again, but the family has taken that kitten as their own cat. What does God do? He doesn't just take off the bumper and rescue us. He adopts us. He calls us his own. He doesn't say, you little troublemaker, I'm not going to let you completely fall apart. I'm not going to let the engine destroy you. But I never want to see you again. Rather, he says, I want to take you out of this car. I want to rescue you out of the mess that your, your situation is, that your own doing has put you in. Because I want to see you all the time. God cares about rescuing us, but he cares about the rest of our lives too. He doesn't just save us to let us go wander off again. Or let someone else deal with us. That's what God did when he came into the world for us. And, and as he does that, he says... Yes, I wove you into something that has form. But here's the thing I want you to know. I, I didn't do that just to use you up. You know, the, this rubber band ball, I mentioned its significance to me. And it's one reason why I still have it. I, I don't peel the rubber bands off and take it apart because it means something to me. I want this rubber band ball to be around. And so while I could take it apart and use them up and then it'd just be gone, I've chosen to keep it. God could have wiped us out. God could have just forgotten us. God could have written us out of the story, but he doesn't. He takes what he's woven together and he holds on to it because it means more to him than anything could ever mean to us. Our lives, your life, my life. So that's why we can trust in him today and every day with everything that we do, knowing that he holds on to us as something that he prizes. Not just prizes people he loves. Would you pray with me, please? 
Father, too often we, we view the opportunities we have ahead in life as, as things that are, are insignificant to you. But you tell us that, that our lives and the things that we do matter, that, that you love us, that you adopt us into your family, and so that your rescue that happens because you came into the world doesn't, doesn't just stop with getting us out of a mess that we've made, but continues on in your presence. Lord, I pray that you'd remind us of that. And that if there's anyone listening tonight who has never experienced what it's like to be called your family, that tonight through the power of your Holy Spirit, that person might, that he or she might trust in you. And that all of us would trust in you more in this new year to see the meaning you've placed before us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we're going to pick back up, so you can help in a few ways. If you haven't already, please give this video a like and a share. You can help get people involved and help them to know more about what happens here on Steadfast and what's happening at Little Hills, and more importantly, what's happening because God loves them. And we're going to be thinking more about that next week by plunging into how we carry the specialness of Christmas into the ordinariness of the rest of the year. How do we do that? So I hope you'll join me at 7 p.m. next week as we continue this series. And also, there are some other neat things going on this week. At 8 p.m. on Thursday, we have our little epiphany service we do with Faith Tree. It's going to be just a special moment, just a brief moment, to, to think on that day that we traditionally celebrate the coming of the wise men, how God is with us. It's going to be a great moment of encouragement. I hope you'll come for that. We have the 12 Days of Christmas devotional still going on. We have O Christmas Stream still streaming encouragement for the whole season of Christmas all the way through Epiphany. So please do check those things out at, at the Christmas website that we have going. You can see the address on screen. And also, don't forget, we're going through the Psalms this year. We're looking at the first three Psalms this week, reading them together as a community. And then on Sunday, Melanie is going to walk us through the Nexa of Psalms on Sunday night. At this week at Little Hill. So, so much going on. I hope you'll be a part of it because these are all opportunities to think about the meaning that God gives to our lives and is calling for us. Hope you have a blessed week. If there's any way I can be praying for you, feel free to shoot me an email at the email address on screen or leave a prayer request in the comments below and we can pray for each other. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Yeah.